Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Gabriel Talks Football is a production of the Barroom Network. Make sure you follow Greg on Twitter at G-G-A-B-E football and follow the Barroom Network at Barroom Network. If you prefer to see the video version of this show, just go to YouTube and search Barroom Network. You'll see a list of our live shows and Gabriel Talks Football is there. Welcome, everyone, to a fresh episode of GTF Gabriel Talks Football. My name is Aldo Gandia, and before I bring in Greg, I just want to remind everyone that these shows, Gabriel Talks Football, are available in audio-only format. All you got to do is go to Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts, and then search for Barroom Network, and Greg's show will come up there along with everything else that we release. We don't want you watching YouTube while you're driving (laughs) and paying attention to the show. That's a no-go. Listen to it on audio podcast let me bring in greg so then he can bring in his special guest greg gabriel how are you my friend doing real good how are you oh man i am so psyched for today's show this is the first of a series of interview shows that you're going to have with uh, very special people and then just prior to the show uh uh starting uh jason was saying some really nice things about you so i'm anxious to hear you guys go ahead beforehand (laughs) <laughs> wise, wise, wise. I got to learn how to do that with guests. <laughs> Let me, uh, why don't you introduce Jason and I'll bring him in. Well, uh, our first guest, and we're going to try to get a bunch of former Bears, is uh, Jason McKee, former fullback, currently the head coach at Carmel Catholic High School in Mundelein. Great guy and knows a lot about the NFL. There he is, Jason McKee. Woo! Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. I'm glad you're here. So tell me, how's your team at Carmel going to be this year? Yeah, I'm really excited. You know, last year we lost six seniors, and the group of seniors we have upcoming this year will be the first group of kids that I've had the entire four years. And, uh, you know, not that all my players are special. You know, every single one of them, and I'm with them all the time. They're all special. Uh, This group of seniors is a little different, though, Greg, because – a lot of these kids I've known since the third and fourth grade. So um, I've invested a lot of time with these kids. Uh, they've actually trained at my gym for a long time, even before I, I started coaching at Carmel. So, you know, these kids are really, you know, like my kids. They're they're always at my house. Uh, you know, we're watching football games. We're having barbecue. So uh, that bond is really strong. And I'm really excited about the opportunity that we have. A uh, ton of these kids coming back. A lot of kids got a lot of potential. Uh, right now it's college camp season you know, in terms of high school right now. So a lot of our kids are going off to different camps and getting offers. And it's good to see that all the hard work that they put in, you know, in the classroom first, but then on the football field second is really starting to pay off. They've been working hard in the offseason. So I'm really excited. Uh, We got a tough schedule, but the one thing we do have on our side is we have experience and a lot of starters returning. Well, you got a big offensive lineman who I think is going into his junior year. Yeah, yeah, we got, and he's, and he's being recruited by a lot of the big schools, right? Yeah, definitely. Uh, lineman named Tommy Lamberti. Um, he started for since he was a freshman, uh, but he'll be going into his junior year. Um, tremendous kid, obviously. Tommy's a big in stature. He's about six eight, about three twenty. Uh, but th- the main thing that Tommy has is, although he's big in stature, he has a big personality, and his personality is really infectious. You know, throughout the school, all the teachers love him. His student, his fellow students love him, not just because he's the biggest guy in school, but because he has that personality in which he's humble. 
He's hardworking. Um, you know, he's definitely, you know, one, one of the guys, if, if I'm bringing out equipment, sending up the practice field, he'll run over and grab the bag and say, coach, don't put that there. I got this. Like he's one of those type of guys that, that shows uh, what we call servant leadership. You know, he's always going to, you know, put, put the team first before himself. And that's why I think, you know, he's being recruited. He also has a lot of good tape. Uh, he also has an opportunity to work with an offensive line coach, uh, Olin Krutz, who, who coaches with me over there at Carmel Catholic. Who, Is uh, Olin, Olin's over there now? Yeah, Olin's been with oh, us. I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah, so Olin, I mean, it's made a world of difference having, obviously, you know, one of the best centers to ever play the game, working with your offensive line on a daily basis. And he's really helped, um, Greg, he's really helped our offensive linemen turn the corner in terms of, you know, enhancing their fundamentals, but also enhancing their their mental aptitude of the game. So I like to say our linemen are a little bit more advanced than the average high school lineman just because of the uh, you know us being able to have only crews there on our staff. Well, does Olin MF these kids like he does players? <laughs> he's uh, he's going to be Olin, man. So it's, it's, uh, it's fun, you know, having uh, Olin there as the online coach. And then uh, Rasheed Davis is there as well. Um, I promoted Rasheed to our offensive coordinator this year. So, uh, really excited about that and the different ideas and uh, different things that, that Rasheed Davis will bring to our offense. So it's it, Greg, it's really like being in the locker room again. So, you know, half the time I get, I get to sit there, I get to sit back and watch Olin and Rasheed argue half the time. And I just <laughs> so it, it's good stuff, man. It's good stuff. But uh, at the same time, it's, it's a blessing and a great opportunity for us to be able to impact and impart to these kids. Now, I saw on Twitter the other day that you got a son that's going to be at some camps coming up. What what year is your son in? Yeah, so, so my son, he's sophomore right now. He'll be a junior. Um, he's another defensive back like his older brother. So he's, uh, you know, going to all these camps. Dad, sign me up for this camp, this camp, this camp. So I'll be, I'll be driving around like a madman doing the camp circuit. But, uh, you know, he'll get an opportunity to get in front of coaches as well and, and put his, his skills on display. Now, he hasn't gotten any offers yet from anybody, has he? Uh, no, not yet. Not yet. So hopefully that's, uh, you know, he's got to have a, I think we'll have a good season this year. He'll have an opportunity to start for us at cornerback. He's been working extremely hard. He's a workaholic. Um, you know, he's got big goals. And, you know, I tell him, hey, you know, it's all about what you do. You unlock the key to all your goals. I'm just a resource to help you. Uh, but, you know, it's all about what you do in that classroom and on that football field. So uh, he's locked in, and I'm excited to see how far he can take it. Now, I, I want to know one thing. You're a pretty big dude. Not the tallest guy, but you're a big guy. <laughs> right. How the hell How the hell did you get a corner? For, and, and your other son's a DB, too. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I think, uh, so, you know, my wife is not the tallest lady, uh, not the biggest lady. So uh, they got a mixture of our genes. In other words, you, I kicked your coverage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I definitely did <laughs> my wife. She's, she's fantastic. She's a, she's a football mom to a T, and uh, she's also – She's the head cheer coach at Carmel, so she's actually been oh, there. Oh, really? How good? Yeah, she, she she was there, Greg, before I got there. So it, it's it's cool. It's uh, you know, come come the fall, it's all football. So the key household is, you know, I'm breaking down film. I've got the TV going, playbooks open, and and she, you know, doing her thing with cheer. So it's, it's good times. It's, it's definitely fun. Well, as you know, I'm a big Carmel fan because my my stepsons went there. I had a stepdaughter went there, and my own daughter went there. So. Uh, I've always been a big fan of Carmel. I got to get to a couple of games again this year because it's yeah, always fun to go to. Yeah, so next thing I want to ask you is you took on a little side job for this fall. You're yeah. going to be the sideline side reporter for the Bears at the Bears game. So the one thing 
the first thought I had is how are you going to mix those two, especially if you, you got to go a road game and you have a Saturday game, a Saturday yes. high school game? Well, we, we won't have no Saturday games this year. So I was able to, you know, look at our schedule first before I actually accepted this, you know, this other opportunity. Uh, so we won't have any Saturday games, which is which is a good thing. Um, obviously, there's, um, you know, the Bears have like, I think there's a Sunday night game with the Chargers. So I've been mapping this thing out. Uh, but the main thing is, you know, it, it's, it's a great opportunity for me. And, you know, obviously, I love media. So it's a great opportunity to, to, to do more media things. But um, I have a good staff in which, you know, I trust those guys and, uh, you know, I trust them to help us be prepared. And you know, I don't see myself really missing any time or being, you know, taking too much time away from Carmel football. So uh, it'll be exciting. I'm excited to, to this new role to get on the sideline and, and talk more football and, and, and break down the Bears uh, during the game. The first time I've ever done it. But, I'm, you know, anytime, you know, us as athletes, professional athletes, we're competitive. So anytime I get a, a new challenge, I want to go and, you know, go ahead and take that by the horns and, you know, see what I can do with it. So I'm really excited about this opportunity upcoming. Well, you know, it's going to be a lot different than when you were sitting on the bench as a player and you're, you know, you're warm because you've been in and out of the game. Now you're going to be standing there, especially when you get into November and December and it's going to be cold. And I've talked to guys like Zach Zagman and stuff Man. and they freeze their arses off. You might be in, uh, in the same situation. Yeah. I, I just hope that with this, my biggest thing is, you know, obviously being a player for a long time and, you know, those juices flow on game day. And I hope I just can can obviously I'm gonna bring that energy to the broadcast, but I hope I can keep composure where I'm not just like, come on, block, get that block or make that, <laughs> make that tackle. You know what I'm saying? That that stuff may just come out on the microphone. So uh the, the listeners may get a get an extra uh you know extra treat that way. <laughs> That's gonna be fun to listen to. I got a question regarding coaching. You know, all of the great coaches, uh, particularly of high school and college students, those young men, they coach beyond the X's and O's. And you've already been touching on this. Do you have a philosophy on how you're helping these young men become men? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, with with high school, not just high school, but you know, I've been I've been training kids in my gym for a long time. Only Cruz trains kids to his gym for a long time. Our gyms are right next to each other. But the main thing, the, the, the main ingredient, I think, to have success, especially coaching high school, is your, 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 your individual players, they have to know that you care about them as people first, players second. You know what I mean? Like, I know, you know, I have such a good relationship and bond with my players that I know when things are off. I know when they've had a bad day at school. I know when they've got a detention, not just because the teachers email me, but I can tell it, uh, I can tell by their demeanor that something's off. And, you know, they know that, hey, coach is here for anything. You know, they've talked to me about girlfriends and all this stuff, which I don't I don't like to get in that type of relationship stuff. But I want them to be able to come to me with any problem or any situation that they're going through. And all I tell them is, you know, I try to give them the, the best advice that I can uh, due to my experiences. And then, you know, football things, obviously, that that comes second. So caring about them as people first and players second, I think, is the main ingredient uh, for you to have success uh, within your program. And then I'd like to follow up just on the ESPN. So who are you going to be working with? Uh, tell us a little bit more about what your duties over at ESPN are going to be. Yeah, so I, I've accepted a role with ESPN 1000 Chicago. Uh, I'll be a part of the Bears game day broadcasting team. Uh, so if you know, uh, Jeff Joniak and Tom Fair, who broadcast the games, actually came over. So I'll be a part of that crew. It'll be Jeff Joniak, Tom Fair, and myself. 
Obviously, those two guys have been doing it for a long time. So I am now the rookie uh, rookie with the crew again. So I'm, I'm pretty sure I have to be bringing donuts and coffee and all that. Stuff. <laughs> but, hey, but you know what, Greg? But uh, Joniak's a little guy, so if he tries to boss me around too much, you'll see me having him in a headlock on the side. <laughs> Can't <laughs> wait to see that. <laughs> I say, hey, I'm, I'm a rookie, but slow down, buddy. I <laughs> love it, love it. Uh, but you're a vet, vet at heart. <laughs> so let's yeah. let's switch gears here a little bit. I wrote an article today, but it won't be uh, published until tomorrow on Windy City Gridiron about the the Bears running back core. Yeah, I personally think that going into camp, that's going to be the most competitive position in camp. That they got some pretty good players, and everybody thinks Khalil Herbert's going to be number one. But that's I don't think that's a lock. And you know as well as I do, it's going to be running back by committee. Very few people use a bell cow anymore. But what do you think of the, the strong points? Yeah, looking at what they've done, right? So obviously David Montgomery goes off to Detroit. Um, Khalil Herbert's there. They bring in Foreman. They bring in Travis Homer. You draft with Sean Johnson in the fourth round. So, you know, you've got a good group of backs. And I think, you know, with this competition – Right. It, it's it's going to be competition in every which way, you know, competition in meeting rooms, who takes the best notes. You know, everything's going to be logged at practice. So you're going to have to these guys are going to have to bring it every single day. And you look at Deontay Foreman, a, a guy who almost ran for a thousand yards last year when he got his opportunity. Uh, Rashawn Johnson, I know they're high on. who can do, you know, a lot of things in, in, in terms of the passing game and a running game, but it also excels in pass protection. So you know, I'm really excited. Um, you know, Khalil Herbert, you would think. You know, with Dave Montgomery leaving and, and him being the guy that's now that's been in that system the longest, even though he's only this is going into a second year in that system. Uh, you know, I know he said the other day at his press conference he wants to be the starter and he said that he has nothing to prove. But, you know, I disagree with that. You've got everything to prove because the main question, as we know, Greg, with him is pass protection. And the quickest way for any of these backs to earn that starting job is to be solid in pass protection, to be consistent in pass protection. Because we know what do the Bears want to do. We were good at running the ball last year, so we know we can do that, and hopefully we can continue taking a step forward in the running game and making it even better than it was last year. But what do we struggle with? We struggle with the passing game. So these backs know, hey, if I want to be that starter, I want to get on the field, it's not just going to be based upon my running ability. It's going to be based upon how can I excel in pass protection? How can I make sure that I'm a part of the solution and not a part of the problem in terms of keeping – uh, Justin feels upright. So I think whoever you know displays the talent to be able to do all those things consistently uh, will win that job. So it's going to be exciting. Um, I got my popcorn. I'm ready. I got my popcorn ready to sit back and watch this, this uh, you know, this battle. Now, let me ask you this, because I'm of the firm belief that with pass protection, it's not about skill. It's all about want to. Yeah. And if you want to be a good blocker, you will be a good blocker. And, and and if you don't not, we both know a lot of running backs coming out of college are not asked to block that much, and so it's a weak part of their game. But you know, it was with Montgomery when he came in that he wanted to become a good blocker. He did become a good blocker. He's very solid at it. I think the same thing can happen with Khalil, but it's got to be right here and up here. It's got to say, hey, I I I got to do whatever it takes to to make this skill a better skill for me. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. 
Yeah, hundred percent. You know, you have to. You know, you, you're going to get the ball. You're going to get the ball. Going to hand you the ball off. But when it's your when it's your turn to block, you got to block. And I and I tell kids in our program, receivers, backs, I say, hey, if you don't block, you don't get the rock. So they understand that I've got to be an I've got to be a well-rounded football player. I've got to try to excel in every aspect of the game. And for for these backs in NFL, Greg, we know these defenses these defenses are so complex. Uh, they're bringing secondary pressure. They're bringing linebackers. You may have to chip on the defensive end. You've got to excel in pass protection. So it's definitely about about want the want to. But first and foremost, you know, running backs in terms of pass protection. First, you got to know who to block. You got to know who to block. Um, once you know who to block, you know you've got to, your fundamentals have to take over. So it's being able to, you know, get up to the line of scrimmage, close down the distance, right? But now. I have to be passive because I can't just strike that defender because if I just strike him with my head down, he may swim me, he may go inside or give me a move, right? So now I have to be passive. But if he's trying to bull rush me, now I got to be aggressive and I got to be able to punch him, recoil and punch him again because once I stop his initial charge, he's still going to continue to rush. Or well, you, know, you know as well as I do that, you know, defenses, they study – every opponent and every player on, on that, on the offensive side of the ball. And if they see a guy who's weak in a certain area, they're going to blitz. They're, they're going to do something to disrupt that player. So if they don't see Herbert as being a strong blocker, they're going to probably send somebody and make sure that he has to block and not quarterbacks getting whacked. Yeah, definitely. They're going to keep, they're going to defenses, just like offenses. We're going to attack. We're going to find the weakness. So, if, if you're the weak link on that offense and you're a running back and, and, and your weak your weak link is being, you know, a, a solid pass protector, well, guess what? They're going to bring linebackers all the time. And if you can't stop it, guess what? You're going to be sitting on the bench. You'll be watching the next back in there excelling at pass protection. So and I think for all of these guys, you know, they've got to continue to go out there and make sure that, you know, as a whole, their fundamentals and their skill set is better than the next man that they're competing against. Now you you played for Parcells one year, right? Yeah. Okay. So and I worked for him for seven or eight, and he one thing he told me we brought in I think this was the ninety season, so because we got to the ninety one Super Bowl, we brought in OJ Anderson mm-hmm. actually to be a backup, uh, but to, to split the carries with, with with our lead guy, but OJ at that point of his career had a problem with fumbling and Parcell's belief was fumbling is not a physical problem. It's a mental problem. You concentrate on not fumbling the ball. You're not going to fumble it. So he told OJ right off the bat, he said, you want to play? You want to get the ball? Don't fumble because the first time you fumble, you'll never see the field again. I don't think he fumbled all year. (laughs) And he had like maybe a half a dozen the year before, you know, and, and, and since that time, I, that's always stuck with me that it, that it's not a physical problem when running back fumbles a ball. It's strictly mental. It's concentration on protecting things. Yeah, when when you bring up the name Bill Parcells, I start wanting to bite my fingernails. I mean, that's how, <laughs> that's how, that's how tough of a coach he was. And uh, you know, to 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 be early in my career and to have a coach, Hall of Fame coach like Bill Parcells. At the time, I could not stand him. Every everybody was scared of him. Every rookie, every vet, you know, every uh, you know, everybody in the building was scared of Bill Parcells because you knew like he was just 
he was going to give it to you raw and honest. So I respected that about him because he wasn't going to, you know, he wasn't going to fabricate anything or he wasn't going to tell you that you were good at something that you weren't. He was going to tell you straight up, look, you suck at this or you did this. Or guess what? I'm bringing in somebody. We're, we're going to try out somebody right now to take your job on the other field over there while we're at practice. So I always respected that about uh, Coach Parcells and the things that that I learned under him uh, really enabled me to have a, a long career in the NFL because, you know, you knew that, like you said, Greg, in terms of fumbling, you knew certain things weren't going to be allowed. So he really made you mature faster. He really uh, made you become a pro faster. And uh, like you said, fumbling is, is definitely, it's, it's mental. You know, that's something that, you know, I think running backs in terms of your EDDs, your everyday drills that you have to work on every day. We do that at Carmel every day. We work on different, you know, ball, ball handling drills and stuff like that. So it's just about, you know, being conscious with that ball in your hand, you know, keeping it tight to your body. Uh, we call it three points of pressure. To, uh, so the first point is, you know, you're splitting the tip of the ball with your two fingers. The second point of pressure is that ball is locked against your forearm. The third part, third part, uh, third point of pressure is you're putting that ball across your body with your elbow tucked in. So that way the defender, if he's behind you, you can't punch that ball out. So, the mental part is when I'm carrying the ball, I've got to understand I'm carrying this ball for the betterment of the team. I'm the, This ball is important because if I lose it, now I give the other team an opportunity to get the ball and score. So I've got to be conscious that, you know, the, the whole weight of the team is counting on me to have uh, that ball secure. So, you know, it's definitely a mental thing. I agree with Coach Parcells. Uh, definitely don't want to disagree with Coach Parcells, but I agree with him. <laughs> this well, I remember one thing about him and, and- – he may have been the same because you, you got him later in his career. The um, with rookies, they weren't allowed to get hurt. Mm. They weren't allowed to make mistakes. Yeah. So I mean, it, it, you could have a broken leg, and your ass better be on the field because yeah. you know you, you just couldn't afford to miss time. You had to earn the right to be one of his guys. The funny thing, Greg, you you, you tell that story, and I just told our trainer at Carmel, uh, Dan Dan Heinrichs, I just told him the same story. I told him that, hey, you know, we have a lot of kids in the training room, just want to hang out in the training room, high school kids, and we're always telling them, hey, get out, get out. So I told Dan the story. You know, I remember uh, Coach Parcells, on each training table, he had bus stop number one, bus stop number two, bus stop number three. <laughs> And he wouldn't and he would not let us get ice after practice or anything. He said if he caught you in the training room, especially if you were a young guy, he was gonna buy you a bus ticket and send you home. Not a plane ticket. He said, I was gonna get you a Greyhound ticket and send you home. <laughs> so I can recall, Greg, I mean, after practice, I mean you got bumps and bruises and you want to get ice so bad, but you know if you went in that training room, you couldn't get ice. So guess what? On the way home, there'll be about Five or six rookies were all at the gas station buying bags of ice. And, and the gas station attendants looking at us like, what are you guys doing? Don't you don't you play for the Cowboys? I'm like, yeah, we ain't allowed to get ice in the trading room. It was crazy. He was, he was, he was. It just brings back so many memories. We had a guy, the, the guys that were hurt, just, you know, Parcells made it that if you were hurt, the trainer who was taking care of rehab was just going to beat the shit out of you. So it was like either go to him or stay on the field, because if you go to him, it's going to be worse. And back, you know, <laughs> early in my career with the giants, a guy named Jimmy Madalino was that guy. And Jimmy's now the, the head of sports medicine at the university of Kentucky. 
but Jimmy was a tiny guy. I don't think he weighed 150 pounds. Wow, wow. But he was a tough son of a gut, and they were scared. Players were scared to death of him because he would work the shit out of them if they were hurt. They were gassed. But, you know, they might only spend 45 minutes to an hour with him doing rehab, not just rehab stuff, but uh, just staying in shape. He would just work some so hard, twice as hard as they were working on the field. And I'm not lying when I say that. <laughs> yeah, I believe you. Hey, Jason, before we get you out of here, um, I got to take you back to um, uh, February, uh, what was it, February 4th, 2007, the Super Bowl. We've talked with a number of players from that team. Thomas Jones, in a very emotional interview, told us what he thought happened in that game that might have resulted to the loss. I mean, he talked about wanting to run the ball more, and we asked him point blank uh, here with Greg, you know, do you think that this the game was a little too big for Rex? And he says, I think that that day the game was a little bit too big for Rex. And I've talked to Alex Brown when I saw him over at Soldier Field and uh, talked to him one-on-one, -on -one, and he said, you know, it wasn't Rex. It wasn't uh, uh, the play calling. It was the defense. We allowed them – to run the ball too much on our defense. That, and so I'm not asking you to choose, you know, which one is right or anything, but I'd like to, your own personal thoughts about that day and what led to, you know, such a devastating loss. Yeah, I'm, I'm never going to um, – obviously, it's not, you know, the defense, not the offense. It's us as a team collectively. Uh, we just didn't get the job done, obviously, on the biggest stage. Um, you know, I agree with Thomas Jones and me and him talk all the time uh, that, you know, we wish we would have – you know, went back and ran the ball more. I think if you look at what he was able to do in a half football, I think he had 120 something yards at halftime. We were running the ball at will. And we knew going into the game against the Colts that they weren't very good against the run. So, you know, they obviously had two good defensive ends and uh, uh, Dwight Freeney and I forget the other guy's name over there, but uh, uh, Robert Mathis, I'm sorry, uh, two really good defensive ends. And yeah. We knew if we could run the ball, we could have some success, which we did early, you know, in the first half. Um, but, but like, things happened. You know, me and, um, you know, me and Greg, we talked about turnovers and fumbling. You know, we had some turnovers that led to scores, uh, miscommunications on the defensive side, uh, things that we could have did better offensively. So it, it's a team game. So, you know, I know Alex, obviously a great teammate. He wants to put, some, he wants to put the blame on them. Uh, but I'm not going to let him do that. It's, it's us as a whole. Uh, we didn't get the job done. So it, it still stings to this day uh, that we weren't able to achieve that feat. We had so many great people in the building. I mean, from, from the front office to the scouts, everybody did a great job. The trainers, you know, the players, the coaches. Uh, it, it was a real, a real special group. And, you know, it, it sucks to this day that you don't have that Super Bowl ring. But at the same time, you know, I, I've grown to accept the fact that I was able to, to to enjoy that journey with so many great people and to actually, you know, to have those memories, good or bad, uh, to have those memories that, you know, I was able to be a part of something that a lot of players will play their whole career and won't be a part of. You know, some players will play their whole career and don't even make the playoffs. So it, it was a special time. We had a special, uh, special group, special organization. And uh, it sucks losing, don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time, you know, it, it, it was a good journey. So there's a lot of things I think we could have did better, um, but we didn't. And, you know, we're, we're on the wrong side of that one, unfortunately. You're, you're talking just like a coach. <laughs> <laughs> I got one last quick question. Alex was partners with you in your gym. Is he still? Well, what's that? I'm sorry. Al Alex was partners with you with your, with your gym. Is he still? 
Yeah, so it's uh, our gym, uh, All Pro Sports Performance. It's uh, Adrian Peterson, myself, and Alex Brown. So we've had it for a long time. And, and like so I said, are you still right off of Washington Avenue? No, we're actually we're in Lake Bluff. So we're we moved in Lake Bluff four years ago. Um, so okay. a lot of the kids I have at Carmel are kids who we've been training since they were like in the third grade. So it's, it's, oh, okay, great. It's been a special place, and and now Olman's gym is right next to ours. So it's 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 real fun now to be able to. You know, I'm at his gym. He's at my gym. We get to, you know, argue with each other, and you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good, it's a good thing, man. I'm Jason, gonna to, I'm gonna have to stop over. Yeah, please do. I will. J Jason Young, on behalf of all Chicago Bears fans, we're so proud of you, uh, your career. You know that that season. You know, despite the disappointing result of the Super Bowl, you gave us so many thrills that season. You know that championship game at Soldier Field against the the Saints is one of my all time memories. I've been following this team since 1968. Uh, you and the camaraderie between the team, the the friendships that you guys developed, and the way you guys are still in touch. Those are just some of the things that we admire about you guys from that era, and we will never forget it. And we're so grateful that you've got this opportunity with ESPN. We're rooting for you to uh, do whatever you want in your career. We'll be uh, applauding you and cheering you on, brother. No, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on the show. You guys, Thanks, Jason. Appreciate it, buddy. Thank you, guys. You guys have a good day. Okay, care, you too. All right. I'm getting chastised in the chat room for bringing up that topic of this Super Bowl, but I just wanted to get his perspective because we have talked to other players, uh, you know, and that's our most recent championship opportunity being in the Super Bowl. Um, and I just wanted to get his take on what went on. And, and as you said, he, he responded to that like he was the coach after the game being interviewed by CBS or NBC or whoever's covering the game. What are your memories from that game, uh, Greg? And, uh, you know, anything you want to add to that? Cold fucking rain. <laughs> Somebody said that in the chat, the, the weather. <laughs> oh, God, it was brutal. I, I had a suit on, and it was really nice pregame, mm -hmm. you know, so I didn't have any type of rain gear, and I threw the suit out because it was just, uh, was no doubt, totally ruined. Mm -hmm. Now, my wife loved it because Prince did the halftime show. I, I went into the court, you know, the, the concourse and tried to warm up and stay dry because uh, we weren't allowed on the field then, only, you know, being it was a Super Bowl. Um, but she she stayed out in the wet to, to watch Prince, which, who she loves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was a great show, and uh, and when it when it was raining, it was just so appropriate, right? Purple rain, uh, rest in peace, uh, Princess Old Hawk, nineteen eighty five. All right, let's move on to the second half of our show. Uh, uh, Greg wrote a great article about pass rushes to look for because this team probably looked well. Let me just start off first. You you think this team is going to sign a pass rusher uh, before training camp? I would say a 99.999% positive <laughs> because the first poll said something a few weeks ago on, I think it was on the score. Yeah, it was on Bernstein show. And then Flus reiterated it in his presser on, on Wednesday and didn't say it the exact same way, but, word it in such a way yet they, there's going to be somebody else uh didn't say who didn't say when but sometime between now and the end of july when they open camp there's going to be another guy in the mix there 
Yeah. And so the question is, who it will will it be? Do you have a preference of the pass rushers that are available now, uh, NFL veteran free agents that are available now? Is there one particular player you'd like to see over the others? Well, personally, I'd, I I know there's a lot of fans that want Ngakwe. But to me, Ngakwe is a one-dimensional player. Now, he can rush the passer. But he, you know, with, with the Bears, he would be a, a designated pass rusher because he's got limitations in playing the run. Where Leonard Floyd, and yes, Leonard Floyd can play defensive end in this scheme, has an all-around game. He plays very well against the, the run. And his pass rush numbers the last three years in L.A., are equal to Ngakwe's, if not one sack better, mm-hmm. over the three seasons. So uh, age is a big difference. I think Ngakwe's 28 or 29, and uh, Leonard's going to be 31. And, and, you know, Poles has this thing with guys that hit 30. He, you know, he just doesn't want to bring them in. So that remains to be seen. I'm going to have to take one second break to let my dog out of the room here. He wants to. You got it. Wife, so you talk you got- for I'll be back in 15 seconds. I can do that. Take your time. That is great. Gabriel, um, and so you know, I, I don't particularly have a preference on who to bring in as a pass rusher, but I was on the Bears Country podcast uh last night as a as a guest, and uh they asked me, and I said, you know, I would I'd like Yannick, but I also brought up the name of uh, Leonard Floyd. I really do believe Leonard Floyd could be a great addition to this team as a pass rusher. Uh he's not my 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 number one preference, but if they were to sign Leonard Floyd to like a one-year deal, $14 million, and tell him, you know, you got an opportunity here to prove yourself as an elite pass rusher because that's what we need. We need you on passing downs. I think that would be good, a win-win for the Bears and for Leonard Floyd. So yeah, I well, they're, never gonna, they're never going to give him $14 million. I'll tell you <laughs> that right now. And, and, and I think that's what the issue is regardless of who the guy is. It's they got a dollar amount in their head that they want to pay this guy. Mm-hmm. And these guys – they're holding out for more money. It's it's a game. It's a negotiation. But as you get closer to camp, and now you're two months away, less than two months away, as you get closer to camp, these guys want to play, and then, you know, all the bargaining power goes to the side of the team. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, okay, accept the one-year deal. But now, you know, Ngakwe's been getting consistently – one-year deals, the last few his last few uh, deals or contracts were, you know, somewhere between six and nine. But I can't see, you know, Floyd made that kind of money when he signed that big extension with the Rams. Right. Uh, but I can't see him at thirty-one. You know, I, I see a one-year deal max two. Mm-hmm. But regardless, because that brings us to the next subject, if. Regardless of who they sign, and I think it'll be somebody out of one-year deal, that that is priority number one going into the 24 draft. And I I feel if you look at the way Poles is drafted, and there's two drafts here, he doubled up on defensive backs last year. He doubled up on interior defensive linemen early this year. He's going to double up on edge pass rushers. Part of it is you hit you got good guys, and from a cap standpoint, like he's at the tackle position, he's got 
Braxton Jones on one side, Darnell right now on the other. You got two guys in rookie contracts, and you're going to have two guys on rookie contracts in the interior defensive line. And, and if you get two ends, you're going to have them. So from a flexibility point of view with the cap and knowing that you're going to have to, uh, you know, extend other players who are going to be deserving of money, that's a smart thing to do is get two of them. So it wouldn't shock me that one of their first, one of their first round picks next year, and I would say right now the very first first round pick, because they may have their pick of the litter of pass rushers, uh, and either the second first round pick or their second round pick will be a pass rusher. I think two out of the first three will be uh, at that position. Okay, so let's look at some of those pass rushers, but I'd first love for you to answer uh, this from Cornelius. He says he's not convinced that the Bears don't have a pass rusher already on the team. What do you think about he? that? <laughs> Who is he? Could it be Travis Gibson? There were reports that the Bears are in love with him and might sign him to an extension. I, that, 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 I'm 99.9999999% percent sure that that came from an agent. Yeah, I get you. Because <laughs> I know, because I know the conversation I had with people at Alice Hall, uh-huh. and, and and right now, going into the season, Gibson's got to put up or shut up, you know, and, and and so he's not any position at all to even think about getting an extension. He's got to think about making the team first. Mm-hmm. Okay, and he did not play good last year. It was a big drop-off from the year before. You know, you thought the arrow was going up going into last season. That is not the case now because what do you have? I, I don't have the numbers in front of me. What, two sacks for the year or something like that? Yeah. After yeah. he had seven and a half the year before. Right. And so I think he's got to get stronger because he would get he would be slow off blocks and, and, and he didn't play the run very well. And granted, he's playing a little bit different position. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think his overall game's got to get better. He was on the ground too much. He, he didn't force pressure as, as a pass rusher. And it's not just getting sacks, it's getting pressure. She wasn't getting either. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Robinson, DeMarcus, I'm seeing names pop up. DeMarcus Walker in my opinion, he can rush from the outside, but from my opinion, He's even better from the inside that when you get into and your sub package things, when you're getting into obvious passing downs. Now, now if you've got him at left end where he's very good against the run on your base downs, that's great, but you might want to move him inside and get two pure pass rushers outside. But who are they? Yeah. Uh, Terrell Lewis uh, says Google users getting some love uh, from uh, at the OTAs from coaches. Uh, what do you think about Terrell? Who? who which player? He says Terrell Lewis, uh, who is, some, frankly, somebody I'm not uh, very familiar I, I, with. I'm not familiar with that name either. But, um, and, and, but the, the rule is generally any love that's being preached uh, at, during OTAs, that's just fluff, right? I mean, they, they don't have pads on. They're just installing plays and stuff. You can't really evaluate a player's performance during the, this part of the season, right? Not, not, a, not an offensive or defensive lineman. Now, you know, the, the on Wednesday, might have been yesterday, the, the defensive line coach talked to the media, and he 
and I listened to part of it, and he said an interesting thing. He said, "If granted, we can't find out what they can do with pads on, and that makes all the difference in the world. But he said, if they can't line up and do the right things without pads, how the hell are they going to do it with? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, <laughs> it, it's just seeing them function as athletes, mm-hmm. you know, and, and doing the right things, learning the assignments, because that's what they're learning right now. They're going through everything from a mental point of view and not a physical point of view. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um I'm collecting questions for those of you in the chat. I got a couple in the queue already, but let's get to that next topic. As, as uh, uh, Greg mentioned, uh, he wrote an article for Windy City Gridiron where he identified some of his favorite, I think that's fair to say, pass rushers that might be coming out in the 2024 draft. Here's the list, and we'll go through them one by one. At the very top, you've got Braylon Trice from Washington. Tell me why you like him. You know, I, he's not going to get the love from a lot of the analysts. Uh, I think he's a ferocious pass rusher. Just watching the tape, um, really, whether he's coming from a two-point or a three-point stance, he's got a for a young player. And he's only going to be a junior this year, but uh, he had double-digit sacks last year. And for a young player, he's got a pretty good repertoire, meaning he can mix up his pass rushes. He's got a spin move. He's got a bull rush. Uh, he can get low coming off the edge and get under his opponent. You know, there's nothing he can't do, and he's just going to get better as he gains more experience. This is going to be his, his uh, junior year at the University of Washington. I just really, really liked him. And then the next guy, Chop Robinson, he's just he's a little bit smaller. He's probably only 245, but he'll get bigger. But he's so fast and so explosive. You know, he's like some of those other Penn State pass rushers that they've had coming out the last few years where he's fast and explosive coming off the edge and just a tough guy to block. Now, in the for the NFL game, and you see it there, he, he just beats guys with his, with his speed and quickness. But in the NFL game, he's going to have to get stronger. And he's got, if you, as you can see, he's got thin lower legs. He's got to bulk up both in the upper body and, and lower body to be a consistent player against the run, but just pure pass rush ability. He's really good. And then next on your, uh, on your list here is, um, oh, let me get rid of that video. Jared verse from, from Florida state. Okay. He's only played one year of major college football. He played at the university of Albany in New York. Uh, which is low-level FCS football, and it was a dominant player there. A lot of he, he transferred, played one season at Florida State last year. A lot of people thought he was going to come out last year and probably would have been a first-round pick, late first-round pick this year had he come out. He's got a lot of talent. I just don't see the ferociousness, for lack of a better word, in his game as I do in Trice's game. Mm. Uh, but he said, I think he had eight or nine sacks at Penn State or at Florida State. He was dinged up part of the year, which probably hurt him a little bit. But he started off their opening game was against uh, LSU, and I think he had two sacks or two and a half sacks and a forced fumble in that game. So a lot of talent. But, I mean, just between those three guys, I'll, I'll take any of them. 
and, and they're going to upgrade the situation here. And if you're using one of those picks that, that high first, you're going to get one of them. Mm-hmm. There's no question. It's just, you know, where is that Carolina pick going to be? All right. And then uh, you've got Dallas Turner, the kid out of Alabama. Yeah, everybody's got Dallas Turner real high. I don't, it, it, as far as the other guys. And the reason is this. He put up good numbers, but he had the best pass rusher defensive end in college football across from him. Yeah. And so everybody's concentrating on, on stopping him. And Turner was coming free a lot. So now everybody's going to concentrate on Turner. And let's see if he can do the same thing. Aha. Uh-huh. Well, I'll tell you one thing. Just looking at uh, a bunch of highlights and, and, and putting together uh, this reel, the guy plays with that hits philosophy. He just does not quit. Uh, what about uh, the kid from UCLA, Layatu Latu? Great natural talent, big burst coming off the edge, strong. He finishes well. He's got one issue. He missed pretty much all of two years with injuries. I don't know what the injuries were, but he came back last year and played really, really well. And I, I think he had eight or nine sacks, maybe 10. Uh, but just a, a good all-around player. Uh, he can play on his feet or down in a three-point stance. What the injury was, how his total recovery was, you know, as far as surgery and all that, that's going to play a role into where he gets drafted. We're not going to even know that until you get to the combine next February. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then you've got a couple of Ohio State guys on your list. Um, they are JT. Oh, let me let me shut the door here just before we get that. Give me ten you, seconds here. You bet. And while you do that, I, I want to play a, uh, the reel of uh, Braylon Trice. Uh, this is the first guy on Greg's list, and boy, he just shoves that right tackle aside like he was made out of putty. Um, and I, I, I love his size. I forgot what you what Greg listed him at in his article, but I think it was like six five. Is Braylon Trice six five? About six, six five, six four, six four, I think. Okay, six but three and a half. I guess maybe because he's standing up on some of these highlights, he looks taller, but uh, he does have some great quickness. Uh, this kid is going to be special. All right, talk to us about the two Ohio State players. Okay, uh, I don't know how to say the first one. It's Tui Malola or something like I, that. I think you nailed it. And and he got all his notoriety comes from one game, mm-hmm. Penn State. He had an interception for a touchdown. I think another interception, two sacks, and a forced fumble. So it's like everybody wants to put him in Canton now off, off of that one game. But he only had like one and a half sacks the rest of the year. But the talent's there. I think right now he's a better run defender than he is pure pass rusher. Now, he's got the talent to be a good pass rusher uh, and and – you know, he's only a sophomore last year, so he's junior this year. We'll see uh, a lot more of him this year. Uh, I had a question just looking at the tape. How long are his arms? Because for pass rushers, you want length. Um, they're probably long enough. I'm just – because he, he's pretty built and is, is pretty well built in his upper body, his arms and stuff. So it might make his arms look a little bit shorter than they actually are. 
real good football player. I just don't think he's got the pass rush talent of the guys that I have in front of him right now. And it's only be like I say, he's getting a, a lot of pub off of one game, but that's one game. They played what 13 games. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then Jack Sawyer is, is on the other side. Now Sawyer last year played a combination of off the ball linebacker, outside linebacker and defensive end this year. And, and early in his career as a freshman, he was a defensive end this year. They're moving him back uh, strictly as a defensive end. And he's got some natural pass rush skill. I think, you know, they needed help at the linebacker position last year. He played within, within the rotation. Uh, this year it's going to be him and JT on the edges. And that's going to be a tough combo to, you know, it's pick your poison. Mm-hmm. You, you'll, you'll double one, but the other guy's going to be coming on, in a one-on-one situation. And whoever goes from there, uh, It'll be really interesting to see the type of numbers those guys put up because they're they're both really good football players. Before uh, we went live, uh, you mentioned to me that you wouldn't be surprised if polls doubled up on pass rushers in next year's draft. Tell me the thing. Yeah, that's what. And I said before. I said, well, he he doubled up on DBs his first draft. He doubled up on interior defensive linemen this year with a second and third rounder. I, I just think that two out of his first three picks are going to be pass rushers because mm-hmm. he doesn't have on the way that squad is right now. You don't have two guys that can really scare you coming off the edge. Now, mm-hmm. will that change between now and August 1st? Probably, but we both know that guy's going to get a one-year contract. So it's, is he going to even be here in 24 mm-hmm. coming off a one-year contract? So, uh, I, I just think for when, when you look at cap and, and you, you, it's team building and you plan how you're going to put your team together, that it would be smart to do that. Just like, you know, he, he's, he spent a high pick on a corner and a high pick on a safety last year, another high pick on a corner this year, a high pick, uh, two really high picks because it was the first pick in the third round where, where he took um, – the kid from South Carolina uh, that in reality was a late second because there was only 31 first round picks this year. So he's got, you know, he's, he's using priority picks for key positions mm-hmm. to me right away. This, you, you see, because he's done it two years in a row, that's a philosophy. It's not the way it falls. That's a, yeah. To me, it's a philosophy, and I can see him doubling up on 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 the edge position this coming uh, spring. The interior of this defensive line uh, looks uh, as strong as I've seen it in in recent years, uh, with the addition of those two rookies. Do- and and the two guys they signed as free agents. Well, they yeah. Jones from last year, but then the uh, yeah they, Billings. The, the big the big guy from. Um, from the Raiders, who, right, Billings. Uh, yeah, who is a bitch. Yeah, that's the most underrated signing they got. So, how much are those defensive tackles going to help the outside pass rushers on this team? Uh, if they're as good as you want them to be, now don't forget you got two rookies. They got to go through go- growing pains. 
It's not like they're going to come off the bus and get seven sacks. <laughs> you know, right. you know, that's not happening. But you know, they're going to play in a rotation, and you just got to get more pressure than you had a year ago. And if you're pretty strong up the middle, that could leave guys in strictly one-on-one situations on the edge. And because they don't have a dominant edge guy yet, that could help those guys. You know, when you look at at Green and uh, Walker, they put up adequate pass rush numbers, but neither one is a guy that I would call a speed rusher. You know, we had Quinn a couple years ago put up, what, 18 and a half sacks or something. Khalil Mm -hmm. Mack for – Five years before that, it was a speed rusher. You had them both together for a while. Well, that's that's what you want. You want speed, and they, so you don't have it now. You got to go out and get it. And where do you get it? You get it in the draft. And they're going to be in position in the draft to do that next year. Mm-hmm. Well, and uh, as some people in the chat are saying, the defensive backfield has been strengthened as well, and so right. that should help these pass rushers uh, immensely. Yeah, but it's still, it, you you don't have. I'm just looking at it from from my background, my experience. You, who scares you? Mm. There's nobody there that says, "Oh, I got to stop this guy." Yeah, you're not game planning for him, right? Yeah, just, if he wins, he wins. But you're you're not you're not going into the game worried about it. Yeah. Now, if you get a, you know, you you sign a guy between now and the start of camp, who has got some skins on the wall, um, yeah, you're going to be worried, and and you hope that um, Robinson takes a big step in year two. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like he hit the proverbial rookie wall last year. He started off quick and then kind of fell off. So did he fall off because he lacked talent or did he fall off because, you know, the huge difference between playing a college season and uh, an NFL season? I think, mm-hmm. you know, he's going to be a lot better this year, but what's a lot better? He had what one and a half, two sacks last year. You get five, five and a half out of him. You got a hell of a season. Don't forget, you know, he wasn't a, Day one or day two pick, mm-hmm. day three guy. Yeah, right. Um, all right, let's tackle some questions here. Um, let me start with uh, Danger just posted this, and I, 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 I said two part question. I'm going to start with the second half. Do you have a problem with players missing OTAs? No, media does. <laughs> you got to write about something. <laughs> Right. You know, they try to make, you know, they're, they're letting down their teammates and all of a sudden it says voluntary. Mm-hmm. And you know what? You look at how many are missing here versus how many are missing in other places. Bears got pretty damn good attendance. Yes. Indeed. As compared to everybody else. So stop making a bit. And, and Jalen's going to be here next year or next week. So the only guy you're missing so far is Davis. I wouldn't be surprised if he's here next week too. And he's played an outside zone scheme his whole career. So it's not like he's missed anything. Some guys want to prepare differently, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they've got their own way of doing it. Um, you know, obviously you want, to me, you want your skilled people there. You know, you want your, it, 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 it's more for quarterbacks and receivers and stuff than it is. You know, Nate Davis is there. So what? You know, it's, it's a lineman. What's he doing? Mm-hmm. He, you know, it's not that he's doing a whole lot. Uh, Jalen's got a, a, you know, a new kid. 
People thought it might have been a contractual thing. I don't think it has anything to do with the um, contract at all. He stayed away last year. That's the yeah. way he wants to prepare. And, and it's their right. You know, you're not, if it was mandatory, it would say mandatory. Mm-hmm. You know, just have the key people there. Indeed. Uh, and the f- first part of that question was, what positional group do you think is the strongest coming into training camp? I would well, think that the linebackers are pretty going to be pretty up there, right? Yeah, I, the, the line, well, there's, you got some Pro Bowl caliber, two Pro Bowl caliber players <laughs> playing uh, at the linebacker position. You got a guy who played pretty good last year as a rookie. Uh, they signed that other guy. I can't think of his name. Cole, I think his name is from from Tennessee, who was a, a special teamer and a Sam. And and don't forget, in, in this defense now, because of the way they play it, you're seventy five to eighty five percent in subs. Are only having two linebackers on the field to begin with, so that third linebacker, that Sam linebacker, he's not playing that much anyway on mm-hmm. base downs. But you want them to be able to back up at the other positions. So be able to play Mike, be able to play Will. And I I know that with Sanborn you can do that, and I think with the other guy you can too. And then you got the rookie and and however they train him, the, you know, they'll they'll train him probably at two positions and maybe all three. Very good. All right, let's get on to our next question. Um <clears throat> Larry Pound wants to know, what about Chandler Jones from the Raiders? You think uh, the Bears could be in the market for making a move to acquire Jones? Well, why would the Raiders want to move him, number one? Mm-hmm. I haven't heard anything. And then you look at the age and you go, no, that's not happening. Mm-hmm. Because it just it goes against what, what Poles has done. Right. You know, he, he is – set this thing up. He's, he's bringing in certain types of players. Mm-hmm. Chandler Jones, I think what 34, something like that. And, and so I, I just cannot see that happening. You know, the, the guys you've got Floyd, you got Ngakwe. I can't think of the guy's name who played um, uh, for Kansas city last year. Who pulled Frank, number, Frank, Frank, Frank Clark. Clark. You know, you got some decent guys on the street mm-hmm. uh, that are probably for this scheme better than than others. You, you'd have to give up something to get a Chandler Jones. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to hear Young from Washington because that's not happening. Yeah. Not in a million years. Okay. If he becomes available, it's because he wasn't playing good. Because he's still, there's a big question mark as to what can he physically do, mm-hmm. you know, coming off a, a horrific injury. But he won't become available until the trade deadline, if he becomes available at all. Because if he's good, they're going to find a way to try to hold on to him. Mm-hmm. So, um, but like I say, at the earliest he's available is the trade deadline. Or if they decide not to resign him, he's a free agent next year. And then if he wasn't, if he didn't play worth a damn this year, and that means it's gone, he's gone three years since his rookie year when he was good without playing good, why would you want him as a free agent anyway? Mm. Because his career went south because of the injury. 
Yep. Okay. Uh, Frank uh, asks, I haven't heard anything about Dominique Robinson out of Hallis Hall. I'm hoping he breaks through. Have you heard anything positive about him, or is he following Gibson out the door as well? He's no, you're not going to hear anything about those guys because they don't yeah. do anything. It's not their fault. It, it's you, know, you can see a receiver running routes and getting open. You can see Justin Fields anticipate and make a throw. You can see a defensive back cover. You can't see anything with the defensive lineman because they can't do, they can't touch each other when they're across from one another when you get to team period. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the whole essence of their game is physical. And and in OTAs, the physical is taken out. Yeah. Okay. Um, by the way, uh, Terrell Lewis, I, I understand now people in the chat have told us, this is the kid that came out of Alabama. I, I actually interviewed him at the Senior Bowl a few years ago. He was at the Rams the last uh, few years. The Bears have picked him up as a free agent in his uh, career with the Rams. I think they picked him up at the end of last year because he was on the street. Yeah, I think you're right. He had yeah. uh, three sacks in 2021, one sack in 11 games uh, last season, and two sacks in 2020. And the buzz is that he has looked good, again, in OTAs. But uh, as we have just been saying, that doesn't mean shit because it is well, what yeah, it is. Well, yeah, you're running around in shorts. And even the D-line coach said yesterday, he goes, it's not real football. Mm-hmm. You know, and with linemen, you don't know what you have until you start playing real football. Yeah. Okay. This is it for them right now. It's all about learning the mental part, making sure you're at the right place at the right time, uh, working on, on technique, those types of things. But as far as being able to play, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, don't go overboard when you watch the combine about a guy having a great workout because he's running around with shorts on. Indeed. All right. Uh, uh, B minor uh, wants your thoughts on Alex Leatherwood. You've expressed it before. Uh, you think that the only chance of him making, maybe making a team is, is as a rotational inside guy, right? Um, I would think from what I've seen that he's better off inside than outside, but mm-hmm. in college, it was a left tackle. And since he's been in the NFL, nobody's seen it at left tackle. Mm-hmm. Then he was pretty good left tackle in college. That's why he got drafted as high as he did. Um, you know, the, until we get to camp and find out what he can actually do, and then he's had a full year to really rebuild himself, and he's got to rebuild himself up here in his brain before anywhere else, you know, and get some confidence because he doesn't have any. And so, you know, the jury's out. I, I don't know. I'm not expecting anything, so anything we get is a bonus. Okay. I'd like you to comment on this comment by Adam Hurley. He says, one rule I o- I would always have as a GM is never get rid of your good players. Cardinals are stupid for dumping uh, DeAndre Hopkins. What are your thoughts on that philosophy? I disagree because if when you talk to people in the know, DeAndre Hopkins is an asshole. <laughs> you know, Wait, he, he's a um, locker room cancer. Mm-hmm. He's a me first guy, like a lot of receivers. He's a me first guy. Um, he's strictly a possession receiver now. Don't forget, this guy couldn't run when he came out, and now he's been in the league what ten years. He was he was close to four six when he came out. What the hell do you think he is now? Yeah, he catches the ball really well, 
and he, and he can get open on, on your short receptions. But what, what they're trying to do here and, and what Arizona is trying to do too, they got a new general manager, new head coach, head coach came from a good organization and the Eagles, you know, you're trying to build a culture and you don't build a culture with an asshole, you know, who thinks he's more important than everybody else in the room. Mm-hmm. So they shipped him out. And, 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 and it, no, the word's out. Nobody traded for him. Of course, nobody wanted the contract. He had a ridiculous contract. Right. And that's one of the reasons that nobody traded for him. But he's been available for three days. Has he mm-hmm. signed with anybody yet? Right. You know, and because I, he's looking for a, 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 an Odell Beckham type contract and he's not going to get it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I, and I get what Nomad is saying. The hop is going to be a Hall of Famer, but there, there are certain trade offs that you make. You know, Hall of Famers don't necessarily win you at Super Bowl titles. And if Hop is uh, going to be a cancer in the locker room, uh, and, and you said it perfectly, I mean, you're building a culture, and maybe he just doesn't fit into that culture. Um, okay, but, let, me, let me put it this way. Okay. You got, in my opinion, this is a pretty damn good wide receiver room right now. In fact, I, you know, I'd put it up against most in the league. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you look at, 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 compare this to, say, Green Bay over the last few years. And they had Adams. who they really have that scared you after Adams? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Really? Seriously? Think yeah. about that. Sure. You know, they had guys. And this team, you know, Claypool put up some pretty damn good numbers at Pittsburgh when he had a good quarterback there. Okay. DJ, obvious number one receiver at Carolina with four or five different quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. You know, his rookie year, he had the best guy. And, and then you've got Mooney, who pretty damn good player. You know, and then you got the, I mean, and fast, every single guy in, in, the, in the top six was a sub four five mm-hmm. coming out. Two of them were sub four fours. Mooney was a four three seven. You got Tyler Scott is in the four, th- you know, was running the four threes at a pro day, he ran four three eight. DJ Moore was a four four one. Claypool was a four four two. You got some speed there, man. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, the national media can say what they want. This is a pretty damn good group. I think they're going to surprise people. I agree with It's you. like, okay, who's going to play? Because the com- as good as I, the competition is at, at the running back position, I think competition is pretty damn good at wide receiver position too. Mm-hmm. So nobody, because we haven't had anybody in a while, except Mooney, you know, nobody trusts anybody yet. Yeah. You know, it's, it's show me. We're in Missouri. <laughs> exactly. Sophisticated Thought wants to know your thoughts about uh, Derek Barnett, maybe acquiring him either trade or if he gets cut. Derek Barnett, uh, Philadelphia Eagles missed all of last season with an ACL injury. A good player. Uh, what are your thoughts on Barnett? Yeah, you know, he was a first round pick. Um, he's not a special pass rusher, he's a good pass rusher. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you've got a connection with Ian Cunningham being with the Eagles. Mm-hmm. 
I think he could be the odd man out there. Could be available. Probably get him for a late pick. Even though he was a uh, – but they extended him now. So, he's they extended him, I think, a year ago. Okay. And uh, so, he's got, I think, like two years left on a contract. And it's not like he – you know, a second contract, he won the lottery. He's got a good contract. He doesn't have one of these crazy contracts. Right. Uh, but he, he's affordable. Uh, is he better than what they have? If he's healthy, yes. Um, you know, I've thought about that when 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 polls mentioned trade and or off the street. That's the first name that came into mind with me because there is a connection already. Yeah, and I and then looking at Philly's roster and what they drafted, you said, you know, he he could be the guy they want to move. Mm. Yeah, he, uh, he signed a three-year, fifteen million dollar contract, and uh, yeah, it is it is team friendly. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, interesting name. Thanks for bringing that up. Um, I think we've got uh, maybe one or two more questions here. Here's my favorite question, and you've explained this to me before, but everybody in the chat wants to know what is that map of in the background? <laughs> Your the map that behind you is a very special map. Mm-hmm. That map, believe it or not, is now, we're 1923, so that's that's almost 80 years old. Probably is exactly 80. It still looks like it's brand new. It's silk. It's reversible. There's another map on the other side. And the story behind it is my dad was a pilot in World War II. And all pilots had... Some of the fighter pilots and stuff had, you know, the leather jackets. And in the the lining of the leather jacket was a map Mm -hmm. like that. Or they had, uh, my father flew C-47s, which is the military name for a DC-3. He flew in paratroopers and supplies and all that. So uh, he wasn't a combat pilot, but he flew at D-Day, made, I think, three missions on the original day of D-Day. But... That was down or whatever. That was the map he used to figure out where the hell he was Amazing. and how to get to someplace safe. And like I said, it's reversible. Part half the map is on that side. Then if I could, you know, take the frame off and flip the thing over, and there's another map that really is just a continuation of that map. Mm. But it's it's one of the few things I have from my dad, who's you know been gone a long time now. Um, you know, from the war, I got a medal of his and some other things um, that he won. But it, it's uh, it's it's special to me. And exactly, what is it a map of? What area? It, oh, it's it's your it's in Europe. It's okay. uh, uh, Western Europe. Wow, that is amazing! Great story and a great. But um, it's really like a, a smaller area. It's not like a. Mm-hmm. Like a, a a three or four state area, say as you uh, if you can pair it in here, it's probably one and a half states or something. You know. Okay, um, we've got a couple of questions in uh, the latest from Mark about DeAnthony Houston. He's an undrafted free agent. I, I frankly don't know much about him. Do you know anything about DeAnthony Houston? Uh, Not Swift, really. 
uh, we'll do a little work on that and uh, for the next show. And then there were a couple of questions regarding offensive line that I'm going to table uh, until we get Olin in here. We're, we're scheduled to have Olin for an upcoming show, and it'll be fun talking offensive line with him. And I promise not to bring up the Super Bowl with Olin because he might jump through the screen and choke me. <laughs> we don't want any of that. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Yeah. Olin's a big teddy bear, but you don't want to fuck with him. I, I, trust me. <laughs> I will not. Yeah, I, I love the guy. And, and, you know, there's some players that I was with that, that I got pretty good relationships still. You know, obviously with Jason, with Olin. I want to get Alex Brown on because I haven't talked to Alex, but there's some just some funny stories about Alex that I, I just want to – Oh, yeah. Bring up about him visiting me in my office every few weeks. And, uh, <laughs> I know this story. <laughs> complaining. And, and <laughs> that's a great story. Why was I drafted <laughs> in the fourth round? <laughs> you know, so, and, and a good guy. I mean, the, there's just, uh, that, that was the beauty of these things. You know, you develop relationships. Mm-hmm. And, and that are their lifelong. Like some of my best friends in the world are guys I play football with. And I haven't played football since 1981. Wow. You know, so yeah. And but they're they become lifelong friends. Mm. All right. Well, uh, so we made you some promises. We've got some great guests coming up. Uh, we will do some work on some of the guys uh, that have, uh, names have have come up, and we, we've just got an off season full of great material. Greg and I have been talking recently about making the show better, making the show more engaging, and so we are definitely going to do that for all of you fans. Greg, Thank any final words for you guys? We're gonna. Talk. <laughs> 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 any TV final shows. words? Yeah, exactly. Any final words for your fans? No, not really. Just enjoy the summer. We're we're summer now. We're after Memorial Day. Yeah, and indeed. I'll tell you what. As much as I love summer, we need some rain. It's getting yes. dry out there. It really is. And I looked. I looked at the long range forecast. There's nothing in the forecast for at least the next ten days. Nothing at all. I got those sprinklers. That throws up my water delight, but I don't like you know. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for uh, joining us in the chat room. You're a big part of the show, your questions, your thoughts and so forth. And for those of you watching on demand, remember uh, that this show is available on audio podcast as well. And let people know what we're doing here at the Barroom Network, especially with GTF, Gabriel Talks Football. Thank you, Greg, very much. Okay. Thank you. See you later.